that I'm finishing up the series, leveling up, going to the next level in God. And let me tell you something, there's an enemy out there who wants you to stop you from going to the next level with God. And, and the enemy, all he wants to do is either keep you where you are or having you take a back step. Uh, but like any game that you play or if you be, are you into gaming, it has the simple rule, overcome the enemy and you go to the next level. Every level, it gets, it gets harder and harder. And the more you go in your levels with God, the enemy will come wherever, whenever there's an opportunity, there's opposition. But he that is in us is far greater than he that is in the world. So we shouldn't be afraid of leveling up with God. Because you know what? When, when we face trials, God isn't surprised. He doesn't take, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. He's not surprised by the strategies of the enemy. But, but God has put something inside of you. He's created you to be an overcomer. And, and there's more to you than you think. And this series is all about going up to the next level. Um, when I was thinking about um, um, like Hans and Price and Samuel, and they're all just little, um, and uh, we, we used to have a PlayStation 2. Remember the PS2? Remember that came out? It was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and I remember getting them games. And what used to drive me crazy was the fact that they'll leave their game, the discs lying on the floor. I walk into the room, and there's games, the discs that I've just bought lying on the floor. And I, and I, would, I would lecture them. I say, look. You've got to look after your games, put them in the cases. And then the next day I walk in, it's all over the floor. And uh, has anybody ever experienced that with your children? And, 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 the, and it's funny because I valued it more than they did. And you know why I valued it more? It's because I bought it. These tears that I'm crying is like, as <laughs> I bought these things. But, but today, when, when Hans and Price and Samuel, they now put their games in their in their, in their cases, they look after them. Do you know why? Because they pay for themselves. And so what I do, I go in the room and I get the disc and I throw them all on the floor. <laughs> Who threw them on the floor? I was going, now you know how I feel. No, I don't, I don't do that. I don't do it. Then I stamp on them. Yeah. But now they play games like Fortnite. It, must, it takes Fortnite to play, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but but it's, it's interesting because... What you don't value, you ignore. I wonder what's in your life that you used to value, but you no longer value it anymore, so now you ignore it. I wonder how many parents here feel not valued. Any parents not, ever feel not... Don't put your hands up. Uh, we, we, if you are feeling like we got prayer after this, uh, any parents feel not valued by your children? And I'm not talking about little children. I'm talking about big kids. Any big kids here today who no longer value your parents? And, it's, and I, if, I understand that that sometimes relationships break down. But isn't it interesting that sometimes we forget that our parents put their lives on hold so they can raise you? And if you ask them why they did that, it's because they said that you were, you were worth it, yeah. that they valued you, and they'll do it again. But yet we forget that, and we, we don't value our parents anymore. We don't value what they say. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You guys just go, I'm living my own life my own way, and we stop valuing them. Have you ever, feel not, ever felt not valued before? You ever felt like people just ignored you? And if you ever, if you ever feel like that, um, what's amazing is we've got what we call the Word of God that, it's, that we can freely read in this country. But, but the reason why some countries don't want you to bring this Bible um, around because they know that this book will transform your life. Do you realize the power we have that we have free access to? to this book. This book is, uh, I used to play this game called American Football, and we used to have this playbook. 
I know some of you think it's a girls' game, but it's okay. It's, it was fun, and we played in the summertime. And and the play and it was like a playbook. The playbook is all the all the different strategies that we're gonna do during the game, and we had to memorize this playbook. And, and for me, the Bible is a playbook. It's it, it, it's it's about people like you and me who have the same issues. This, the issues that you have today, it is the, the people back then went through it as well. This book is so relevant for our lives. And if, and if we begin to read the strategies and, and, and how God began to show them the way out, oh, radical, this book will radically change your life. And if you don't believe me, begin to read it. Begin to allow God to speak to you through your word and your life will change. And if this book can get into countries, it will change countries' lives. But yet we're in a country, we're living in this country where this book is, oh, we don't need this book. We no longer value it. And so a lot of us just step over it. We don't, I don't need that. I was brought up in a Christian home. I don't value that anymore. I'm stepping over it. But God has called us for such a time as this. So if you've got your Bibles, want to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah? Book of Nehemiah is a fascinating book because there is no, there, there are, you will find no miracles in the book of Nehemiah. But what you would find in the book of Nehemiah, you'll find hard work, you'll, you'll find discipline, you'll find visionary leadership. It's a, it's a, honestly, it is a fantastic book. If you want to learn about leadership, study the book of Nehemiah. It, it, um, it's, it's so relevant for us today. So why don't we begin to read the book of Nehemiah? It's, it's set in a time... 152 years after Israel were annexed by the Babylonians. So, so, the, so God had, 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 had a covering over Israel. And, and as long as Israel stayed under God's covering, they were protected. God protected them and, and he guided them. But, um, but Israel went away from God's protection. Went away from God's protection. And, and, and they started doing things their own way. And because of that, the Babylonians came in because God wasn't there for them to protect them and, and annexed the whole country, the southern kingdom of Israel, and took them back to Babylonia where they, where they were in captivity for 70 years. And after 70 years, the Persians conquered the Babylonians and they were allowed to return home. So here we are in the book of Nehemiah, 152 years after the Babylonians first uh, destroyed Jerusalem. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Hakaliah, it's an interesting name, Hakaliah. I wonder if he's hard, my name is Hakaliah. I'll be like, are you telling the truth? <laughs> um, his brother's name was Hakatruth. Um, <laughs> Why do I see unicorns? Anyway, in the month of kids live in the... Tw- in the in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. I heard these things. I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What's interesting is that you think Nehemiah would know what's going on in Jerusalem and what's happening, but you gotta understand that there was no social media back then, there was no Facebook, he couldn't, he wasn't following, he wasn't, he wasn't friends of, with Hanani on Facebook and didn't follow his journey, so he had no idea, because 12 years prior, Israel went back 
went back to Israel to, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so he, can you imagine what he's thinking? He's thinking to himself, man, I wonder what, what Jerusalem will look like. You know, 12 years ago, Israel went back and the temple should be up, should be beautiful. The walls should be amazing. Man, our, the, our people must be prosperous. There must be things that are happening. And, and then he hears news that the walls are still broken down. 152 years, the walls are still broken down. See, the walls represented protection. It represented God's favor. But every day they'll open up their doors and they see that the walls are broken down. And that the enemy could see inside the city and to see what they're doing. So every time they began to plant, plant crops, the enemies will see the, see, the, see the crops and they'll come in and they'll take what they had. And they have, have livestock, they'll take what they had because the enemy could see that. And it was a constant reminder to the people living in their city that they were defeated. It was a constant reminder. I wonder, I wonder what's a constant reminder in your life. They can't, what constantly reminds you that you're defeated? What constantly reminds you that, that you're not good enough? This was a constant reminder that God's favor had left them. And for 152 years, this city stayed in a room. Can, so can you imagine that every time they open up their door? They got used to the mess. They got used to the rubble lying on the floor. And, and, and in order to get to their friends' house, they had to step over over the rubble. In order to get to the temple, they had to step over the mess. They got used to the devastation. They got used to all the, to everything. And it, and it kind of amazes me that, that after 152 years, there was no one there to remind them or to say to them, hey, why don't we rebuild the walls? And the reason why there was no one there to remind them is, is this, and, and this is this is something we really gotta, something I really wanna share with you is this. And, and if you don't, because if you don't see the value, if you don't see the value in something, you'll never pick it up. If you don't see the value, you'll never pick it up. They, they saw the destruction and they stepped over it because they didn't see the value in it. They didn't see the value in it. I wonder, I wonder what's your it. What is it for you that you no longer see the value in it anymore? And you step over it. What's your it? What is it that you've, that you've lost, lost the vision of it in your life? For some of you, it, it could be your marriage. Some of you, it could be your marriage that, that, that you're more like business partners, that you know, you, you, you're, just, you're there to pay for a house, raise the children, but there's no relationship. And on the way to church, you argued, but as soon as you got through the door, you're like, Praise the Lord. Good to see you. How's it? And you're arguing with your kids. When you get into you make sure you're smiling. You'll get, hello. So good to be here today. Anybody relate? Don't have to put your hand up. Well, we do it pray afterwards. But there's no relationship. And because you got used to your marriage the way it is, and so, you know, we're not sorting out the issues because we're used to it. We're used to just stepping over it. Because we don't see the, I don't see the value in our marriage anymore, so I'll just step over it. Or maybe for you, it's, it's your purpose. And, and, and in this church, you'll hear this spoken over and over again, that when you encounter God, you discover your purpose. You weren't born just to eat your lunch, go to work, go to bed, wake up, and do it all over again. That, was, that wasn't God's purpose for your life. 
That when you encounter God, you discover purpose. If you don't believe me, you get, all you got to do is turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, verse 10. And in the NIV version, it says this, for we are God's workmanship. I love another translation that says we are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You're, when God created you, he created you to do good works. And, and you might be thinking to, to yourselves, well, I haven't done any good works. In fact, if you, if you look at my works, I've done uh, nothing but destruction. Let me tell you something. That is not how God designed you. He didn't design you for destruction. See, the enemy wants to change the script of what God has for your life. God has designed you to do good works, but the enemy wants to change that around and begin to speak lies and say that, that you're not good enough. Who do you think you are? What, what good can come from you? What good can come from your area? What good can come from Mangare? What good can come from where you live? But God says this, for, for you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's already prepared the work for you. Who's created you with purpose? And when you encounter God, you discover purpose. Let me tell you how I can help you discover your purpose. Purpose always involves people, helping people, leading people to the glory of God and, and saying so that they, they you are good enough that, that, that the hope of the world wants to have a relationship with you and his name is Jesus Christ. See, uh, whatever, uh, whatever, the way, uh, whatever your life is right now, God created you to do good works. And don't let the enemy begin to, to, to bring lies over your life. And for, for years, you've been stepping over your purpose. You come into environments like this and, and, and you get a sense of purpose and you're thinking, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, God created me for purpose. Then you leave this environment and, and, you, and, and then for whatever reason, you begin to step over your purpose. You step over your purpose and you forget about it. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe it's, it's your dream. Maybe it's your dream. You've been stepping over your dream. Yeah, and it was so good to hear our sister this morning, and she's, she's um, going on to do the study. What's she doing, biology or something like that? Something so big that I can't even say. Uh, it, 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 and and she's coming from the Bay of Plenty, and I love what she said. You know, for some people, your dream was to be the first one in your family to graduate from the university, to get a degree. And, and uh, Porter was the first one in our family to get a degree, music degree, and, and she's a, a light to our kids because uh, when you live in, in, in a family where education isn't, isn't important, just as long as you get any job, she'll be right. But, but if you have a dream that one day, you know what, God, God's called me more than I'm going to be the first one to graduate. But for whatever reason, life comes in the way, and, and you think, well, who am I kidding? I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough to go study. Who do I think I am? And we begin to step over our dreams. Or maybe for you, it's, it's to own your own home. And, and I know what it's like to be in the system where, where you get stuck in housing and, and, and you lived in a family for generations that's just rented. And you think, well, how am I ever going to own my own home? But, but you had a dream that you're going to own your own home. But because life got in the way, you began to step over your dream. Or, or maybe you're in a job and you know this isn't a job for you. God's calling you to go back and do some study, to begin to step into your dream, step into your purpose. But for whatever reason, it just gets too hard because the enemy wants you to, to, to not level up in God, but take a step back or keep you where you are. And so you begin to step over and never pick it up. Or, or maybe, maybe it's people. Maybe for you, you just used to stepping over people who aren't like you who don't talk like you, who don't behave like you, who, who doesn't have the word, they're not, they're not, you don't see them as, as, as people worthy, and so you just step over them. 
You know, there's, there's that family member that you have. They're always, you know that family member that you have that's always, they're always drunk? They're always drunk. They're always going out to the party, going out to the clubs, and hey, coming back. They can sing really good. They can sing really good, but, but they're not good enough. You know, they're not. So you just step over them. You're not good enough. Step over them. They got too many children to too many different people. So they, they live lifestyles that's, that's not good. So I'm just going to step over them. Never realizing that, that one day they can become your future worship pastor. You know, the, 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 you know, I wonder how many people stepped over, how many times Porter was stepped over in her life. When I looked at this, this, this woman from, from South Auckland and solo mum and, and, uh, and well, you know what, she's living this lifestyle and we just step over. She's not good enough. I wonder how many people stepped over people like Portal. Never thought that, that God could use them. Just see people as broken pieces. Like the people in the city who just saw the rubble. And, and oh, what can we build out of rubble? Nothing. We can't build anything strong out of that. So let's just step over. You know, our, some of our future leaders aren't even in here. You know, and, and I love what Lois brought. The word you brought, when you brought that word, it really brought the tears to my eyes. That to leave the 99 to get the one. And, and God's called us to reach people. Our purpose is to reach people with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ because because the, the, all the enemy wants to do is steal people's the hope and the joy and put, bring, put people in isolation to separate people from the love of God. And God's called us to reach people. And, and, and not, not for us to stay with people, just, you know what, they don't, they're not like us. But if you're here this morning, God wants you to know this. He wants you to come as you are. Come as you are. I wonder how many people stepped over Don, sitting over there, Don, Don Woods. Have you heard his story? Growing up in the Navy, this guy who loved the bottles. He shared this, so it's okay. Bottle. I wonder how many people stepped over Don back then. And now we've got this mighty man and mighty woman of God who bring wisdom and spiritual insight. I wonder how many people in this room will step over. I wonder how many people... The worship team that we had that, that led us in worship, how many of those people were stepped over by others because they didn't see that they didn't behave like us, they don't dress like us, but because of the gospel message that, that somebody shared with them, God transformed their life. They took the broken pieces. See, God can take a mess and make a masterpiece. For we're being called for such a time as this to go to the next level. It's time for us to pick it up. You will be stepping over, you'll be stepping over your dreams too long. It's time to pick it up. Or you'll be stepping over your marriage for too long, not valuing your marriage. It's time to pick it up. You'll be stepping over your purpose. God has called you for purpose. Some of you people, some of us are in this room, God's called you to ministry. But, but we've been so caught up into our dramas of life or, or trying to build something of, of something that is not substance, you just stepped over it. God is calling you for such a time as this. It's time to go to the next level. All I know is that the enemy wants to keep you where you are, keep you feeling defeated. It wants to bring a reminder, like the people in Jerusalem, a constant reminder that you're not good enough, that, that you can't build anything of substance. And I love what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah goes to the people. Verse 17. And he says this. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king has said to me. They replied, it's a good reply. Let us start rebuilding. And then they began this good work. 
you know, God, He's begun a good work in your life. The enemy doesn't want you to put your hand to work. He wants to keep you where you were. He doesn't want you to pick it up. And you got to understand, Nehemiah, he wasn't a builder. Nehemiah didn't go to, when he went to go rebuild the walls, he didn't go to Bunnings to buy the latest bricks. He didn't go to Mitre 10. But, my, but Nehemiah, he looked to what he had left and he took a mess and he built a masterpiece. So use what you have left. What do you have left? You may feel, well, I've got nothing. Whatever you got left, God wants to rebuild because he's got a good works for you. He's got a purpose for your life that is good. Um, I've got a picture of a wall. Want to put up the picture of this wall? <laughs> I was going to put a picture of me up there, but I thought Puddle would look so much better. <laughs> See, this is an ancient wall. And this wall, and this wall was designed to keep the Mongols out, the uh, people from Mongolia, Genghis Khan and his, and his crew. It was designed to keep them out. And see how uh, this is a long wall, 10,000 kilometers long. 10,000 kilometers. We walked all 10,000. 10,000 seconds, um, then we gave up. And uh, maybe 10,000 milliseconds, I'm not sure. It was a blur. This isn't a walk, by the way, to climb. Uh, you, you climb down and you climb up, okay? And, um, and I think we should have got medals for that. We survived the Great War. Just leave that picture up. I love having that picture of my wife up there struggling. <laughs> no, she's owning it. She's owning it. She's smiling. She's like, but really she's like, yeah, so it's great. I loved, I loved how she changed her face for my photo. It was like, she went, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing what a camera can do. A camera can do right. They're like, oh, oh. They're, oh, finish. Oh, no. oh okay. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 says this. It, it took them 52 days to rebuild the wall. And you got to understand this. See, look, look at the complexity of this wall, okay? This is an ancient wall. And, and the Bible tells us that there, 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 were people, there were people working side by side. You had, you had perfume makers working with, with goldsmith and blacksmith or with just your ordinary people working side by side to rebuild this wall. Sometimes they had a, had a spare in one hand and a shovel in this other hand. And the enemy came along to discourage them, but they kept building this wall. And it took them 52 days to repair. And you got to understand something. What has laid ruins for years, God can rebuild in days. What has laid ruin in your life for years, God can rebuild in days. God has a good work for you prepared. He can begin to rebuild in your life things that you have lost, your integrity, your self-worth, how people look at you. You may feel like I've lost it all. God can rebuild it in days. What you have lost, what you, what you have lost God will rebuild in days. When you put your rock... When you put your, see, if you want, if you, if you want it to last, 
you can't begin to rebuild the wall like how you used to build it. Like to build it upon the things that you trust. Build it upon you. You can't build it on your self-worth. You can't build it upon your, who you are in the community. You can't build it on, on any of these things because it's not going to last. And we know this because we try to build things like these, these in our lives and they crumble. But to build something that lasts, you take your rock, what you, whatever you have left. You may have nothing left, but that you might have just have a little stone left. Whatever you have left, you've got to... Put your stone, your rock, whatever you got. It, it may not be a perfect shape. It's it, it not this nice square. It could be just jagged and rough on the edges. When you put your rock upon the rock, upon the name above all names, upon Jesus, the lover of my soul, who died on a cross to take away my pain, Who died on a cross, not for anything that he ever did, but because of what I had done to set me free. When we built it upon Jesus, what lay in ruin for years, God can rebuild in days when we put your rock upon the rock. We need to build to last. And I, in my life, I've tried to build things on my own and it just crumbled until I found the rock. When you build your life upon the rock, don't be like the foolish, the Bible tells us, don't be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand and when the storm came, it, it fell down like a house of cards. But be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. When the storms came, the house stood firm. It's time to rebuild. It's time to pick it up. Pick it up. You've been stepping over it for too long. It's time to pick it up and put your rock upon the rock. God didn't call you to have an average marriage, but He called you to have a marriage of hope and blessing for the, for the generations to follow. And it's not going to happen if you keep stepping over it. But unless you put your rock upon the rock, you know, see the, the walls. Can you go back to the wall? See how the... When the wall comes back up again, not this wall, but that wall. See how the, the rocks are laid together. See, rocks are, walls, are, walls are built by laying rock next to another rock. Next to, see, when you've got the foundations right, the, when you've got the Word of God, when, you, when you've got the Jesus, but, but you're, when, we're not meant to be in isolation. This is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to isolate you. So you don't need to go to church. You don't need any of that. You can just do things on your own. He wants to isolate you. But that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible says it's time, and they work side by side. When you put your rock next to Portal's rock, next to Lois's rock, next to Woolly's rock, when we begin, begin to build, we we're meant, ne never meant to do life alone, but together. Get con getting connected in life groups and getting connected in youth ministry, getting connected in children's church, getting connected. And when we begin to build and we begin to build something on with substance, because we're better together. We were never meant to be by ourselves, but with, with one another, encouraging people along the way. For we've been called for such a time as this. So it's time to build your rock upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Church, I'm gonna, I just want to pray right now. And can you your eyes be, be closed in this place? I want to pray for some people in this room. You don't have to come forward. I want to pray for those, I'm praying for those people who are struggling in your marriage. For too long, you've been stepping over. I want to pray for people who've been stepping over their purpose. God's been calling them, but you've been stepping over it. Your dreams, 
You know, there, there are songs that are supposed to be written that haven't been. There are books that are supposed to be written but haven't been because you've been stepping over your dream. There have been businesses that's meant to be open, but you haven't opened it. You've been stepping over. I want to pray for, want to pray for, pray for you and, and I want to pray for people. You've been stepping over people. You've been stepping over your, your, your dad. You don't think, oh, I don't think God can use him. You've been stepping over your sister. You've been stepping over your brother. You've been stepping over your boss. At the moment, you think your boss comes from somewhere else, but God wants them. 